the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob Fratz Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed the Bob France Authority, and it gets underway at 7 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on this Tuesday, the 18th morning of the month of September in the year of our Lord, 2018. After California Professor Christine Ford detailed a sexual misconduct allegation against Judge Brett Kavanaugh to the Washington Post, senators from both parties said she needed to be heard. That is now expected next week. The Judiciary Committee abruptly set a Monday hearing. It's important that there be a very thorough interview and that we see both individuals respond to the allegations. Maine Republican Susan Collins is a potential swing vote on the Supreme Court nominee's confirmation. Republican leaders initially planned staff telephone interviews with Ford and Kavanaugh. My friends, this is an absolute disaster. A disaster created by Republican leadership. What happened yesterday, a continuation of what happened over the weekend, with this ridiculous 36-year-old allegation being made by a radical leftist professor represented by a radical leftist lawyer as an 11th-hour last-gasp Hail Mary attempt to stop the confirmation of President Trump's second Supreme Court nominee, is a travesty, not a tragedy, but a travesty. And the Republicans are walking right into an extraordinary trap. Yesterday, the Republican leadership had an opportunity to stand up and say enough is enough. They tried every dirty, filthy, rotten, underhanded, trick in the book to stop Brett Kavanaugh from the moment his name was announced 
they tried to stop Brett Kavanaugh. Prior to his name being announced, they tried to stop Brett Kavanaugh. How could that be? You know how that could be. They had their talking points ready to go, saying that whatever name the president gave as his nominee was going to be radically dangerous, partisan, conservative, a threat to Roe versus Wade, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it was just fill in the blank on their placards that they carried during their marches. Stop blank. Didn't matter what judge's name is going to be on that. Stop blank. Too radical for the court. Then they named Brett Kavanaugh. Stop Kavanaugh. Too radical for the court. They tried every low-down, underhanded tactic in the book during those three days of confirmation hearings. Actually, let me rephrase, during the two months that led up to the three days of confirmation hearings. They they did everything they could to savage that man's character. They did everything they could to savage the character of President Trump who nominated him. Saying that President Trump could be impeached soon. And somebody who is being investigated by the federal government and who could be facing impeachment shouldn't even be allowed to make a lifetime appointment to the Supreme Court. Every dirty trick in the book. They tried. They coordinated, colluded, collaborated with radical protesters to interrupt the proceedings when the confirmation hearings began. Everything they could think of to stop Brett Kavanaugh from getting a fair, honest confirmation hearing from a Senate whose job it was to simply provide advice and consent on the qualifications of a nominee, they tried to stop. They turned into a circus sideshow. They threatened to, to release committee classified documents. Then proclaimed they were doing so because it's that important to get to the bottom of all of this. Spartacus said. Of course, they released committee non-classified documents. They were already cleared, but it didn't take away from the sideshow, from the grandstanding. They did it for all three days. They savaged the man's character, qualifications, proclaimed we need more time to to review 100,000 documents that we haven't seen from his time as a White House lawyer. Man's got 12 years of experience on the federal bench, and they're worried about more documents from his time as a lawyer before he was a judge. Why were they worried about that? Because it was something that would delay the proceedings. Give us time. Give us 30 days. Give us 60 days to review all of these things so that we can vote with a uh, a clear conscience, so that we can make sure that we are casting an informed vote. We need to see all of those documents. Remember that? Remember that was their outrage? Because it was a delay tactic. They didn't care about the documents. They wanted it to be delayed 30 days or 60 days so that we would get to the midterm election without a confirmation vote. And then... If and when the Democrats win the House, which it looks more and more increasingly like they will, they can immediately say we're filing impeachment articles, or articles of impeachment, if you will. And when a president is facing impeachment, he cannot appoint his uh, Supreme Court nominee. So we're going to have to wait until all of that is over. They tried it, and they failed. 
we were still on track for a confirmation vote on Thursday. Now it's time for the 11th hour Hail Mary. Well, remember the letter that we've been holding on to? Now it's time to play that card. The weekend before the Thursday confirmation hearing, we'll release this. We'll call for a full-on FBI investigation. We'll call, on for a, we'll call for a full-on investigation by the Senate Judiciary Committee. We will delay this one way or the other. Yesterday, Republican leadership had a chance to stop all of this nonsense. Yesterday, the Republican Party could have stood together uniformly and justifiably and said, no, we will no longer participate in this charade. The vote happens Thursday as scheduled. A 36-year-old allegation with zero evidence, zero witnesses, zero corroboration is not going to stop this nomination, or this nominee, rather, from getting his confirmation vote on Thursday. The last thing in the world that the Republicans needed to do yesterday was to bend, if not outright break. Yet that's what they did. They put off the vote. They allowed for a hearing to take place on Monday at which Brett Kavanaugh and the accuser, Christine Blasey or Blasey Ford, would both be allowed to testify. And then based upon whatever happens there, they may schedule another confirmation vote after that. My friends, they just walked headlong into a Democrat trap. Does anyone actually think that Brett Kavanaugh is going to get a fair shake at this hearing? Is there anything he could say beyond his complete, thorough denial of anything and everything that this radical Democrat liar, and yes, I'm publicly calling her a liar, I do not believe one word of this phony story. His complete denial of everything that she said, is that going to change any of their minds? Of course not. Nothing Brett Kavanaugh can say on Monday is going to change their view. They are trying to stop him with any and every means necessary. This is simply a trap. If they really wanted to question him on this, Dianne Feinstein would have showed an ounce, a a, a scintilla of integrity and would have brought this forward in her one-on-one meeting with Brett Kavanaugh prior to the confirmation hearings or failing that at the opening of the confirmation hearings. She had time to question him. She could have said, I have in my possession a letter. She could have read it, leaving out the accuser's name if she chose and asked him to respond then. If there was even one iota of integrity in the Democrat party or the demon rat party, if you will, one ounce of it, this would have already been addressed. When is the last time you heard a Democrat 
complaining that they still haven't read all of the documents from Kavanaugh's time in the White House as an attorney. None. Suddenly, we don't care about any documents. That was a reach anyway. <laughs> it doesn't matter what's in those. Yeah. But we had to say something to delay this thing. Now we've got this. So suddenly the documents don't matter. Have you heard any Democrats recently saying we need to study Judge Kavanaugh's documents further? No. Because it didn't matter to them then, and it doesn't matter to them now. It's just on to the next attempt to stop Kavanaugh. And the Republicans are giving into it. They're walking him into a trap on Monday. As a matter of fact, dare I say, this will be the biggest waste of time that the Senate has engaged in in a long, long time. Because I cannot believe for one second that there is one word that Christine Blase Ford will say in her Senate testimony, if she does indeed show up, that will change uh, people who support Judge Kavanaugh's minds. And there is nothing that the Democrats will try to do to Kavanaugh that is going to change Kavanaugh supporters' minds. Or change, excuse me, change uh, Democrat opposition's minds. You understand the point. Nothing either one of them uh, is going to say is going to change the minds of supporters of Kavanaugh versus opponents of Kavanaugh. They're going to go in being opposed to Kavanaugh and everything Ford says, the Democrats are going to nod accordingly, and yeah, that's terrible. My goodness, he shouldn't be confirmed. And everything Kavanaugh says, his supporters, like me, are going to be saying, see, this is exactly correct, just deny it, you didn't do anything wrong. Nothing is going to come of this. So why delay the vote? Every single delay that Republicans allow to have happen is a step closer to the midterm elections, and eventually somebody is going to make the call that we should wait until after they're over. Stop walking into traps. Stop Republican leadership. Stop playing by Democrat rules. They haven't earned the right to dictate confirmation votes. You earn that right when you win the majority of the Senate. The Democrats are in the minority of the Senate. You don't get to make the rules, especially when you're playing these kinds of dirty tricks and games, practicing the duplicity and the deception and the chicanery that they are. They don't get to win. And yet the Republicans are allowing them the opportunity. It's 920. Peter Kirsten, I will join me in 40 minutes or so right after the top of the hour in between now and then. Let me hear from you. How do you feel about the fact that this confirmation hearing is going to be delayed? It will not happen now. This vote rather on Friday or Thursday. Instead, Monday, we're going to have testimony, dueling testimony by Kavanaugh and by the accuser. Give me your thoughts. 216-901-0945 next on AM 1420. The answer. All right, 924 now, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. I was just responding during the break uh, to a friend of mine. David Arredondo is the uh, uh, vice chairman of the Republican Party in Lorain County, who says uh, Ford has not agreed to testify Monday. And that's true. She hasn't yet. It is expected that she will. However, David said they will ask her to delay her testimony. And the answer is to that is, of course, yeah, they probably will. Because, again, this is not about an actual story. It is a delay tactic, a stall tactic, get us to the midterm election without a confirmation vote. Then we can win the House and stop it altogether. 
and there will not be a second Trump nominee on the court. It's just that simple. That's what this is all about. And as I was responding to my friend David on uh, via text message uh, during this break, I'll tell you what I said to him. The Republicans are absolutely, positively pathetic. They are being bullied by the Democrats at every turn, and they will do nothing about it. They play every single one of these games by Democrat rules, and Democrats are not in power. They don't get to make the rules. They don't get to set the dates. They don't get to call for the votes. The Republicans do not know how to lead. I have absolutely no respect whatsoever for GOP leadership. None. Ryan, McCarthy, McConnell, none of them. They refuse to stand up and lead as the people of the United States gave them the power to do. They follow the Democrats' lead at every turn. The Democrats are just better at this than the Republicans are. Can you acknowledge this? Can we accept this as fact? The Democrats are better at this than the Republicans are. The Republicans are out there with their little boxing gloves on, and they got their little sweat towel over their shoulder, and they're like, okay, put them up. Uh, let's touch gloves and come out fighting in a nice, fair fight. The Republicans are fighting by the marquee mar- uh, of, of uh, Queensberry rules. All of the gentlemen ro- uh, 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 rules of fighting are in play for the Republicans. No rabbit punches, no low blows. Everything has to be break when the referee says to break. No punching on the break. They're following all of the little fighting rules. Meanwhile, the Democrats are coming out of their corner with a two-by-four with a nail stuck in the end of it. And they're just pounding the living crap out of the Republicans. And the Republicans say, oh, that wasn't very nice, but I'm going to continue fighting the conventional nice and, and proper gentlemanly way. And that's why they're getting taken to the woodshed. The Republicans are cowards. They're sacrificing Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation. They're going to walk him into a trap on Monday. It's going to be a big delay, and then there's going to be another delay and another. And President Trump, who's trying everything he can to do what he promised he was going to do when he ran, is going to be let down by the Republican Congress yet again, this time on the Senate side. It is pathetic watching the Republicans get beaten down by Democrats who have absolutely no morals, no, 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 no sense of integrity or decency, nothing, as long as they win. And you know what? I'm starting to envy them because at least they win. This is going to be an explosive hearing next week here on Capitol Hill, assuming Christine Blasey Ford agrees uh, to show up and testify. She has, of course, accused a Supreme Court nominee, Brett Kavanaugh, of sexually assaulting her when the two were in high school. Uh, President Trump, meantime, says he is standing by Kavanaugh. I think he's on track, yeah. I mean, I think he's very much on track. I wish the Democrats could have done this a lot sooner. They shouldn't have waited till literally the last days. They should have done it a lot sooner. Now, Democrats are looking for a significant delay here hoping to push back uh, this nomination to beyond the midterm elections, if not derail it entirely. And to that end, many are demanding a full FBI investigation. Of course they are. Of course they are. And you know what's going to happen? The Republicans are going to grant one. 
Because the Republicans are spineless. Cowards. Yellow. Whatever you want to call it. Tony is in South Euclid. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Tony, I'm a little bit disgusted with the Republican Party. What what say you, sir? (laughs) Yeah, I know. I can hear it in your voice. Um, uh, Listen, you know, we went back. We go back a couple weeks, maybe three weeks. I was on the air, and we were talking about Trump reacting to comments and tweeting uh, his responses. You know, now we're we're flip-flopping. Uh, we should not do this. You know, should we? Should we not? There's two sides of the story here. Uh, Trump will will tweet and no, and no, stop, stop, Tony, stop, Tony. There's stop, Tony. There's two that you're talking about apples and rocket ships here. Trump's tweeting is not the same thing as caving in on confirmation hearing votes or confirmation votes. When we talk about caving in to the to the left, I'm talking about things that actually matter. Trump's tweeting is impetuous, impulsive, and for his own personal narcissism. Narcissism. He likes to to be the center of attention at all times. It's one of his flaws. He's a tremendous leader. He's doing great things in his first two years in office. He's doing everything he can to try to uh, uh, follow through on his, his, um, his platform and his, his agenda that he ran on. And I give him all the credit in the world for that. The one thing I do not give him credit for is that impetuous, impulsive tweeting, which is not done to serve any proper positive uh, or to do any good. Let's put it that way. There's nothing positive that can come from it 90% of the time. Don't, don't compare this to that. When I say the Republicans are spineless, well, President Trump tweets a lot. Yeah, and it hurts him a lot. With moderate voters who don't know which side to take, they are turned off by that. Don't compare apples to rocket ships. It's too early, too early in the morning for that. But I do thank you for your phone call. Maybe the next one will be better. We're back after the news. now the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer, thanks so much for joining us. Um, I want to share something with you. Uh, This morning's Wall Street Journal editorial. The hashtag MeTooKavanaughAmbush. Subheadline. A story this old and unprovable cannot be allowed to delay a Supreme Court confirmation vote. The Wall Street Journal gets it. I get it. I'm guessing you get it. Why doesn't Republican leadership in the Senate get it? Because they are delaying the confirmation vote. The Journal writes, The woman accusing Brett Kavanaugh of a drunken assault when both were teenagers has... And by the way, can I do this too? Can I I just ask this question before I go to the, the editorial? If, for the sake of argument, for the sake of discussion purposes, in the most wild hypothetical ever, if a drunken 17-year-old touches somebody uh, at, uh, at a party in high school, because that's never happened before, right, outside of their clothes in such a manner, does that person... Or rather, is that person reflected in a 50, what is Kavanaugh, 53, 54? In a 54-year-old man who has then led a life of impeccable integrity, 
a, a man who who got married, is raising children, who coaches their their youth basketball teams, who 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 went to law school, who served in a White House, who has then then spent the last twelve years on the federal bench, to rave reviews and fantastic ratings, judicial ratings, who has never even sniffed anything having to do with indecency to something that someone does just for the sake of argument at the age of 17 like that provided it wasn't an actual you know uh rape or something of that nature does that reflect who they are you know 50 or 36 years later i'm just, i just have to ask that part of the question because this is this is really staggering how deep they will go because what's going to happen here is that from this point forward, forget about just Supreme Court nominations, which are obviously a bit of a rarity, given the fact that they're lifetime appointments, but this is going to happen for cabinet appointments. This is going to be the case for any any nomination that has to be confirmed by the Senate. This is going to be the new norm. People are going to dig back into everyone's childhoods looking for somebody, anybody. There's going to be Craigslist ads in, in, the, in the hometown cities or hometowns, rather, of any nominee saying, did anybody know this person who has been, has been nominated to be you know, this secretary in the president's cabinet? Does anybody know them when they were in grade school? If so, please call this number and contact us. We've got to find dirt on something that people had when they were kids. And then we're going to use that to smear them as adults and make them uh, appear to be unqualified for the office or the position for which they have been nominated. This is going to be the new normal. It just cannot happen. But I digress. The Wall Street Journal this morning. The woman accusing Brett Kavanaugh of a drunken assault when both were teenagers has now come forward publicly. And on Monday, it caused Republicans to delay a confirmation vote and schedule another public hearing. Yet there is no way to confirm her story after 36 years. And to let it stop Mr. Kavanaugh's confirmation would ratify what, ha- what has all the earmarks of a calculated political ambush. This is not to say Christine Blasey Ford isn't sincere in what she remembers. Well, I'm saying it. I think she is a bald-faced liar. Back to the journal. In an interview published in the Washington Post on Sunday, Ms. Ford offered a few more details of the story she told anonymously starting in July. She says she was 15 when Mr. Kavanaugh, who would have been 17, and a male friend pushed her into a bedroom at a drinking party, held her down, and pawed her until the male friend jumped on both and she escaped to a bathroom until the two boys left the room. Mr. Kavanaugh denies all this categorically and unequivocally, and there is simply no way to prove it. The only witness to the event is Mr. Kavanaugh's high school male friend, Mark Judge, who also says he recalls no such event. Ms. Ford concedes she told no one about it, not even a high school girlfriend or family member, until 2012 when she told the story as part of couples therapy with her husband. And it should be noted even then she didn't identify this individual by name. It's all just a matter of speculation. The vagaries of memory are well known, all the more so when they emerge in the cauldron of a therapy session to rescue a marriage. Experts know that human beings can come to believe firmly over the years that something happened when it never did, or is based on partial truth. Mistaken identity is also possible. The Post reports that the therapist's notes from 2012 say there were four male assailants, but Ms. Ford says that was a mistake. Ms. Ford also can't recall in whose home the alleged assault took place, how she got there, or how she got home that evening. 
This is simply too distant and uncorroborated a story to warrant a new hearing or to delay a vote. We've heard from all three principals, and there are no other witnesses to call. Democrats will use Monday's hearing as a political spectacle to coax Mr. Kavanaugh into looking defensive or angry and to portray Republicans as anti-women. Odds are it will be a circus. The timing and details of how Ms. Ford came forward and how her name was coaxed into public view should also raise red flags about the partisan motives at play. The Post says Ms. Ford contacted the paper via a tip line in July, but wanted to remain anonymous. She then brought her story to a Democratic official, while also hoping to stay anonymous. Yet she also then retained a lawyer, Deborah Katz, who has a history of Democratic activism, and spoke in public defense of Bill Clinton against the accusations by Paula Jones. Ms. Katz urged Ms. Ford to take a polygraph test. The Post says she passed a polygraph, though a polygraph merely shows that she believes the story she is telling. The more relevant question is, why go to such lengths if Ms. Ford really wanted, to st- uh, wanted her name to stay a secret? Even this weekend, could have, uh, she could have chosen to remain anonymous. Those, these are the actions of someone who was prepared to go public from the beginning if she had to. The role of Senator Dianne Feinstein is also highly irregular and transparently political. The ranking Democrat on the Senate Judiciary Committee knew about Ms. Ford's accusations in late July or early August yet kept quiet. If she took it seriously, she had multiple opportunities to ask Judge Kavanaugh or have committee staff interview the principals. But in that event, the details would have been vetted and senators would have had, to, would have had time to assess their credibility. Instead, Ms. Feinstein waited until the day before a committee markup on the nomination to release a statement that she had, quote, information about the accusation and had sent it to the FBI. Her statement was a political stunt. She was seeking to insulate herself from the liberal charges that she sat on the letter. And this, and, uh, or, and this seems increasingly likely given the course of events. Uh, Senator Feinstein was holding the story to spring at the last minute in the hope that the events would play out as they have. Surely she knew that once word of the accusation was public, the press would pursue this story and Ms. Ford would be identified by, in, uh, by name one way or the other. Democrats waited until Ms. Ford went public to make any statements, but clearly some were feeding the names of Ms. Ford and her lawyer to the press, and now they are piling on what they hope will be an election eve Me Too conflagration. Senator and Judiciary Chairman Grassley must postpone the vote until, at the very minimum, these serious and credible allegations are thoroughly investigated, declared Minority Leader Chuck Schumer on on Sunday. How can he declare these to be credible allegations? On what basis, this is me now taking away, stepping away from the uh, Wall Street Journal for a moment. On what basis would he have, would he be able to declare these allegations credible? Doesn't credibility have to be based upon something? Like what? Well, how about evidence? Is, has any evidence been presented whatsoever that this event ever took place? No. Perhaps witnesses. That can certainly lend credibility to an allegation. There are no witnesses, with the exception of Mark Judge, who says, Ms. Ford is nuts. Nothing like this ever happened. So now we are down to zero witnesses who can corroborate this story. Even the accuser's own version of the story 
is not credible because she told a couple's therapist there were four men who did this. Now she's saying it was just the two. She didn't know where it happened. Didn't know whose house it was. Didn't know how she got to the house. Didn't know how she left the house. Knows nothing about it. But this, how on God's green earth, short of an admission of the politicization of this, can Chuck Schumer or anybody else claim these are credible allegations that must be investigated? Where does credible come into play here? Find me credibility. I'm looking for credibility. Is there anything credible here? Here, credibility, credibility, credibility. Where are you, credibility? There is nothing credible about these allegations. For too long, Schumer said, when women have made serious allegations of abuse, they have been ignored. This cannot happen in this case. End quote. Now, again, I'm going to step away from the Wall Street Journal and remind the world, or at least this audience, of Keith Ellison. Keith Ellison, in addition to being a senator, Keith Ellison is also the co-chair of the Democrat Party. Keith Ellison has been accused of some horrific abuse or uh, uh, abuses. Allegations have been made against him months ago. With credibility. The same type of credibility that I just pointed out was lacking in this allegation against Kavanaugh is there. Evidence, witnesses, and more. And the Democrats have yawned. He continues to lead the party. He continues in the Senate. He is facing no calls for resignation or um, accountability from his own party. Yet Chuck Schumer actually said for too long, when women have made serious allegations of abuse, they have been ignored. That cannot happen in this case. But Keith Ellison, you just keep on keeping on, my man. You can't write this. The story I'm telling right now, it's just one of those things, and I know it's an overused analogy, but seriously, you, you write a script like this, and you take it to a Hollywood studio, and you say, hey, producers, make this one. And they're going to issue, they're going to hand it back to you filled with all kinds of comments and notes about rewriting it because it's just too unbelievable. While, yes, Hollywood can be sci-fi sometimes, and yes, it can be fantasy sometimes, when you're doing stories like this, there has to be some, you know, ring of, of uh, plausibility. It has to ring plausible to people, and these things aren't even plausible. You can't make this stuff up and sell it to Hollywood, yet here we are. And the Democrats are trying to sell it to the American people. Back to the Wall Street Journal. His obvious political goal is to delay the confirmation vote past the election, fan the Me Too political furies until then, and hope that at least two GOP senators will wilt under the political pressure. If Republican Senators Jeff Flake and Bob Corker think a hearing will satisfy Mr. Schumer, they are right to retire from politics. GOP senators could understand that the political cost of defeating Mr. Kavanaugh will likely include the loss of the Senate. Let me say that line again. GOP senators should understand that the political cost of defeating Mr. Kavanaugh will likely include the loss of the Senate. They're already going to lose the House. If they don't stand up and get Kavanaugh confirmed, they will indeed lose the Senate as well. Why? Because what red state voters who have Republican senators and Republican senatorial candidates are going to be motivated to come out and vote for them? 
when they see the Republicans in the Senate lay down and just get curb stomped by the Democrats, why would anybody go out there and, 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 and rush to the polls to vote for them? Back to the journal. Democrats are already motivated to vote against Donald Trump, and if Republicans panic now, their own voters will rightly be furious. They would be letting Democrats get away with the same dirty trick they tried and failed to pull off against Clarence Thomas. It would also be a serious injustice to a man who has, by all accounts, other than Ms. Ford's, Ms. Ford's, um, I'm sorry, all accounts other than Ms. Ford's account, led a life of respect for women and the law. Every Me Too miscreant is a repeat offender. The accusation, accusa- accusations against Mr. Kavanaugh, his behavior manifested nowhere else in his life. No one, including Donald Trump, needs to attack Ms. Ford. She believes what she believes. This is not he said, she said. This is a case of an alleged teenage encounter, partially recalled 30 years later without corroboration and brought forward to ruin Mr. Kavanaugh's reputation for partisan purposes. Letting an accusation that is this old, this unsubstantiated, and this procedurally irregular defeat Mr. Kavanaugh would also mean weaponizing every sexual assault allegation, no matter the evidence. It will tarnish the Me Too cause with the smear of partisanship, and it will unleash even greater polarizing furies. That was this morning's editorial in the Wall Street Journal. I cannot disagree with a single word of it except to throw a few stronger words into it, which I think I did during the analysis there. Your thoughts, 216-901-0945, right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. I really don't think I can... uh say enough about this this issue and the importance of it i don't i don't really i don't mean to beat this dead horse but but honestly this kavanaugh issue is so much bigger than brett kavanaugh it is about the leadership of the senate it is about the future of all confirmations in president trump's uh uh term in office as well as future presidents as well letting the Democrats get away with what they're doing right now, which is a combination of Borking and Clarence Thomas slash Anita Hilling, Judge Brett Kavanaugh, letting them get away with this is so incredibly dangerous. And the Republicans are letting it happen. I cannot state this strongly enough. Maybe Victor Davis Hanson can. In American Greatness, he wrote this this morning. We will no longer have a free country or enjoy civil liberties and the safety of a Bill of Rights, if any American at any time can be ruined by an allegation of unproven sexual assault of some 36 years past, when the accused was a 17-year-old teenager, by an accuser who initially trafficked anonymously in such allegations, came forward only as a part of a wider, more intensified and collective last-ditch effort to destroy the reputation of the accused, and yet has no clear memory of exactly where she was at 15, or the approximate date, when she claims that she was assaulted, or why she made no such accusation for 30 years, or when she raised the issue some six years ago privately during counseling, why her therapist's notes of such revelations do not now match her current version of the incident. He's right. Everything upon which this country is built is going to be gone if we allow this to be the new norm, where people's lives can be ruined by unproven allegations. I mean, she, there's no proof she even knew Brett Kavanaugh. That's how wildly un, uncorroborated this is. 
I mean, it is. It's it's a strange phrasing, but I'm going to double down on it. It's wildly uncorroborated. There is no one that can prove that she even knew him, was at a party with him, was in the same house, was in the same area code. The one person that she says was there, Mark Judge, denies it. There's nothing. And if that's all it takes to ruin someone's reputation and thus career, we are done. I cannot state this enough. Um, Nancy in Cleveland, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead. Hi, how are you? Well, just to show you how bad this Me Too uh, stuff is getting and going to get even worse is I was at a store the other day, and I heard this young girl saying to her fellow co-worker, Oh, I hate when they call me honey or sweetie. And then I came in and said, yeah, but it's better than those vulgar names those rap singers call women. I stopped her dead in her tracks, and then she says, well, you're right, but I'd still like a choice. And she was only like about 17 years old, so it's really trickling down to our younger women in high school, and they're going to be made to think that, you know, men, all men are bad, and what they do is bad, and and just you know, change a whole generation of women. Last time I checked, um, you know, calling somebody honey was uh, was a sign of affection. It was a term of endearment. It was a term of of kindness. It was hi, honey. You know, like I like you. You're a nice person. You know, it, it's not a a sexual come on, and yet that's what it's being turned into. And I do understand exactly what you mean, uh, Donnie and Euclid. Donnie, go ahead. Bob, good morning. Hello. Good, good morning, Donnie. Go ahead. I don't have a lot of time, buddy. Go ahead. I just wanted to make two quick statements. Number one, I would lo- I would be impressed if Chuck Grassley informs this this lawyer and this woman that they have until the end of the business day Thursday to accept the terms, be on a plane Friday, and be ready to testify Monday. And if they don't, the hearing is over with. And I have one quick question. It seems to me, well, wouldn't, wouldn't you agree that this this is on account of two of of two possibly three Republicans in particular that this is going on, speaking of Jeff Flake and... Uh, and Bob and, Corker. And yep, Jeff Flake and Bob Corker. Yes, I completely agree with you, Donnie. Uh, the only thing I disagree with, I wouldn't give them to the end of business on Thursday. I would give them to the end of business today, right now, because if they don't agree to this right now and promise that she will be there on Monday, then Thursday we have our confirmation hearing as scheduled. Peter Kirsten now joins us on this next on AM 1420 The Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 